Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and if you're a Saiyan or a half Saiyan, why the tail gene might skip over you. Tonight, we'll be diving into the history of Trunks VHS, or at least how I originally watched it, and our thoughts on the 1993 Dragon Ball TV special. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi! And this is going to be a little bit of a change up from our Dragon Ball Super Series and movie reviews as we take a jump back through time to one of my favorite movies from back when I was a wee lad. And to just give us a crash course on some of the things surrounding its release, why don't you give us a quick rundown, Todd? Absolutely. So this is also one of my favorite TV specials or movies or whatever you want to call it. But uh, it basically got released in Japan in February 1993. We ended up getting an American release from the Funimation dub in October of 2000. And it, as far as I saw too, it also got remastered a couple of different times in the late 2000s and then kind of re-released. And I too, like Dayton, watched it originally on VHS tape, gosh, back probably back in 2000, 2001. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. Uh, I do want to point out though, that there are, multiple multiple versions of this story and the history of trunks itself the animated version that we're talking about today was not written by akira toriyama uh, he did do a short manga version though a basically like a summary chapter that was released and it's quite a bit different uh but today we're going to talk about the funimation dub uh, there was also the, just to cover the versions, we had the Japanese version with the original Japanese music and score. We had the Funimation dub with the modified Funimation music. Then they later released the Funimation dub with the original Japanese score. And then just to touch on a couple of other little versions, there's also... What might be my favorite version is the Team Four Star <laughs> abridged version of History of Trunks. <laughs> it's crazy. I feel like we keep mentioning how good the Team Four Star content is, but uh, I, I, that's probably a discussion for a different day. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to have some notes about that in here, though. Uh, and I did briefly want to bring up, this is a totally separate kind of fan project, too, but there was a live action rendition or retelling of this story made in... 2018 by a company called robot underdog and they named their project light of hope and this is just kind of a cool little fan made live action retelling of the history of trunks and it has some pretty cool action sequences in it, it it's a fun watch if you guys have a chance to take a look at that too and it's it's in the independent film quality so don't expect you know triple a budget or anything like that but for what they had to work with i think i think they actually did a pretty decent job with it yeah i definitely agree but that pretty much covers the the details that i wanted to go over i did want to say that this is the first time that i've watched this special 
in almost 20 years. And it, it, when I first watched it, and I still have memories of this being one of my favorite stories in Dragon Ball as a whole, I will say that my views on it have changed a little bit, but I think we're going to touch on that here today. Did, has it been about that long for you, Dayton? Yeah, I don't think I've seen it since I originally brought it home on VHS. It's been that long. Yeah, so it's it's been a while. But with that in mind... I think we're going to go ahead and get started here, so... All right, we're going to begin things off with an oddly dark scene compared to at least what I'm seeing in current Dragon Ball. The story starts off with a young Gohan rushing home where all the Z fighters are gathered outside of Goku's family home. And Gohan bursts into a room where Chi-Chi reveals that Goku has passed away from a disease and she's bawling and crying and talking about how she's so sorry and it's it's already starting off on a very somber note something that i'm not used to with what is usually kind of jokey and fun and kind of lighthearted. absolutely and i think that tone is kind of going to go forward here throughout this entire special but this is this is a strange case, right? Where death in Dragon Ball has been something that they've been able to overcome with the Dragon Balls on multiple, multiple occasions. Goku himself uh, has been resurrected at least once at this point. And the Dragon Balls, however, do not have the power to resurrect somebody who's died of natural causes. So we're just out of Goku at this point. Yeah, and it's it's... I mean, that's more or less where the scene ends. We're left with a a dead Goku, a grieving family, and even I think there's like a a small scene where even Vegeta like kind of winces for a minute where even the announcement hits him, somebody who's usually pretty stoic and doesn't show those types of emotion. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting scene with... Uh, I mean, we don't get to see much of Vegeta's reaction, but he definitely seems upset about the news that Goku or Kakarot in his mind is dead. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there, right? Because Vegeta has been, he's, he's been beaten by Goku. He's been chasing Goku in terms of power. This is around the time that, you know, Goku's achieved super Saiyan and Vegeta may or may not have at this point, probably hasn't actually. Yeah. And this is, I think the, where this takes place is not long after, after Frieza is defeated. And so you can imagine right. that, that Vegeta probably has immense respect for Goku as a fellow Saiyan who defeated the tyrant that held pretty much their whole race under just extreme subjugation. Yeah, absolutely. Respect that he almost certainly wouldn't admit to, but uh, it's, it's a measure of respect nonetheless, especially for the Saiyan race as a whole, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think from there we get a, we get a fast forward six months and we see for anyone who's seen dragon ball we see the android 17 and 18 they appear and they begin just reaving havoc and piccolo vegeta yamcha tien and krillin all show up to try and defend humanity but they show them one by one just kind of get blasted and cut down by the androids i like that you totally forgot about chaotzu there who <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But yes, the basically our Z fighters get slaughtered, slaughtered wholesale by the androids. 
And that's kind of where this story takes off. It, yeah. it basically jumps us forward 13 years from that point where our pretty much all of our Z fighters have been killed except for, well, we'll find out here shortly, but we basically move forward seeing the androids causing destruction, uh, destroying cities. We do get to find out that Master Roshi is still alive, uh, staying in a submarine with Poir, Oolong, and Turtle. Um, but outside of that, we're basically just seeing the androids destroy and murder people. Yeah, and they very quickly introduce us to how casual they are about it. They are just blowing up buildings and, I guess, towns. And there's even a scene where 18 goes shopping and there's this terrified shop owner who's just complimenting her and telling her that she can take whatever she wants. That looks great on her. And he even mentions that, you know, she has a great figure and she could pretty much wear whatever she wanted. And all that flattery, I guess, kind of pays off when 18 decides to spare him. But as soon as 18 walks outside of the shop, 17 decides otherwise and just blows away the building. It's you can tell there's almost a level of immaturity to these androids. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we they don't cover a whole lot of their their backstory in the history of Trunks, but through the show in the Cell Saga, we know that they were teenagers who were turned into androids or cyborgs or whatever. They call them androids. But <laughs> uh, Team Four Star has some stuff to say about that. But uh <laughs> We, we know that they are, I mean, they're children, basically. And so these children have been given insane superpowers and they've been, you know, mistreated. It, we don't necessarily know much about like their family lives, but you kind of get the impression that they almost certainly weren't good. Well, and... it's interesting, though, because in the original or the series Cell Saga, when the androids show up, they're immediately fought. Whereas here they show up and there's a 13 year jump. And so I don't know. I, I guess they're, I guess, perpetually immature, right? Am I wrong on there or do they just show up? Oh, I know. Yeah, there's a 13 year jump. Yeah. So they show up and then they just start blowing things up and they've been doing it for 13 years at this point. And so they, they pretty much won't change. There's, they're just always going to be this ever present evil. And yeah, yeah, you you make a good point there that this is not this is not day one of them just being petulant children and destroying things. They've been doing this for over a decade. And uh, you got to think if no one ever stepped in and told them no and told them you can't do that, why would they learn any better? They're going to be forever murderous teenagers. Yeah, yeah, they're flexing their power. Nobody's stopping them. Nobody has the power to stop them. However, we do get introduced at that point to 13-year-old Trunks in the car with his mother, Bulma. And we find out that, uh, I mean, they're listening to the radio. They hear about this destruction going on from the androids. And Trunks is upset. Trunks is not happy about what's going on. He wants to do something about it. And he he knows he has power. We, I mean, he flies out of his mother's car. So we find out that he's definitely knows how to control key at the very least. 
and he makes his way to that city. Fortunately, the androids have left uh, once he arrives. Yeah, and when he shows up, the androids are gone, but so is pretty much the city and everyone living in it. Everyone in that city is dead at this point, and Trunks has arrived too late, except there's one other living person who is in this city, and it's Gohan, of all people. He kind of shows up out of the blue, and we get this kind of I guess, brief reunion between Gohan and Trunks. Yes. So this is basically our one surviving Z fighter, uh, not counting Master Roshi, of course, but we get to see Gohan as an adult. He's wearing what looks like his father's gi, or at least one similarly designed. And we kind of cut over to Trunks and Gohan in what appears to be Balma's house. And uh, Trunks is just, you know, wailing about all these deaths and saying, Gohan, we have to do something about this. I want you to train me. I want to be stronger. I want to stop these androids from murdering people. And one thing I do want to bring up is this is Balma's house, but compared to what she was living in and I guess our current timeline, they show the building and there's hardly anywhere to sit. There aren't any amenities. The, the window is broken. The walls are cracked. She's living in in a way different type of situation than she is in our current timeline. You can tell that things are really rough here because billionaire Balma or however rich she is would never live in a building that's in that many shambles if she didn't have to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Compared to what she lives like, especially in Dragon Ball Super, she's living in squalor here. Mm -hmm. But uh, but Gohan more or less agrees to train Trunks. Uh, Balma comes home and she's... Uh, you get the impression she's... Well, she's at first pleased to see that Trunks is alive after he flew away to check on the androids, but she's also kind of giving them the, the third degree and saying, hey... I don't want you guys to get my son killed by going to fight these androids. Yeah, it's she very quickly figures out it's not an accident that Gohan went flying off to fight the androids and comes back or Trunks goes flying off to fight the androids and comes back with Gohan. That's right. That's not an accident, but she does agree to uh, cook them all food. And the most important takeaway is that when you go to eat fine Japanese cuisine, yell out food attack, and then start eating it. It's very important. It's part of their culture. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I yell when I'm eating a bowl of rice <laughs> every time, every time. <laughs> I remember seeing that when I was a wee lad and thinking, that, uh, that's a little weird. And now that I know what they would actually say, it's even funnier. And it just it warms my heart. Yeah, it's it's pretty comical, especially getting to see Trunks I mean, Trunks is just taken with Gohan, right? Trunks is mimicking him. Like, Trunks hasn't had a father figure in his life at all. He he was too young to know Vegeta. And so it's... I mean, it, it it's it's kind of sad, honestly. It's kind of sad just seeing Well, Trunks. even Vegeta remembers and knew his dad. Trunks is in, in an even worse situation. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a bummer, but it's nice to see Trunks getting this kind of father figure in Gohan. But I, it's it's kind of, a, I guess, a little bit of a heartwarming thing. They at least have each other because at this point, Gohan's lost pretty much everybody he's ever known at this point. But 
at least he can look at trunks and think, you know, there's the future is right here. I have a I, I have a good friend. I have an ally of somebody who's, you know, who can take care of this world sort of thing. And I think it's it's a really important relationship because they really only have each other. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of cut to after that, getting to see Gohan beginning Trunks's training. And there's a pretty comical scene of Gohan just kicking Trunks into the water and Trunks saying, Gohan, help me. I can't swim. And Gohan telling him to uh, make circles with your arms. And I had to laugh at this partly because I just compared this in my head to the Team Four Star scene where Gohan is yelling at Trunks to fly up. You can fucking fly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that part's funny. And I also love the, uh, I don't know if it's this way in the uh, the Japanese, but in the dub, when Trunks gets pulled out of the water, he goes, first you stand there and watch me while I almost drown. Then you offer me a towel. And all yeah. Gohan says is, yep. Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. I yeah. freaking love it. I thought that was pretty great. So there there's a couple good jokes in here with the the Funimation dub as well as the the Team 4 Star abridged version. But uh we do actually get to see a, a brief scene with Gohan's remaining family. We get to see Chi-Chi and the Ox King and Chi-Chi makes it sound like she hasn't seen Gohan in a long time. She's obviously expressing concern for him uh, with him fighting against the androids, but it almost feels like Gohan's kind of living a piccolo lifestyle right now. Yeah, and, you know, in all honesty, I kind of don't blame him because Chi-Chi would not let him go fight the androids if she had a say in anything. So I could see Gohan maybe just making that decision that it's easier if we just kind of separate for now until I figure out the situation like on top of that i don't want to leave the androids back to here and that sort of thing so i think it's i mean you're right i it, she does make it sound like they haven't seen each other in some time but it's also a decision that if that's the case i could definitely see gohan making that decision yeah and you make some good points there i think in addition to that gohan's probably thinking that he doesn't want to, I mean, while his mother, Chi-Chi, is obviously stressed worrying about him as it is, Gohan probably doesn't want to cause her additional stress by, you know, going out fighting them and then coming home and being beat up and her getting to see all of that, too. So, And I can only imagine the weight on Gohan's shoulders, knowing what his dad was to the world and what his dad could have done if the <laughs> android showed up, and then trying to wear that and just push on on his own, because... I mean, his dad did die when Gohan was really young. And so all those memories and all those expectations probably have just piled on top of him. Like, I think it's something they don't explore a lot, but I can only imagine the the weight on Gohan's shoulders. That's a really good point, too. And I, I kind of wish they did explore that a little bit more. As I'm thinking on that more, now that you brought that up, I almost, this is maybe a morbid way of thinking about it, but I almost feel like, it might be better for Gohan's psyche in some ways that he doesn't have all of those Z fighters around who knew Goku and who knew, you know, what he was to the world and then have them kind of expect Gohan to pick up that mantle and be everything that Goku was. Yeah, it's I mean, it's tough, right? Because all these people would have been they were Goku's friends 
And I yeah. guess with Goku out of the picture, Gohan, I, I can only imagine they might have been feeling like inherited friends sort of thing. Like these aren't relationships that that Gohan forged himself. But at the same time, I think every one of those Z fighters would have treated Gohan like their own son. And so yeah, I think absolutely. they would have given him more time and attention and training or whatever he wanted. They would have made sure that, you know, Goku's son was taken care of every every day, whatever he needed sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, especially if Piccolo were around or Krillin, like Gohan did have somewhat close relationships with them, especially Piccolo. But I mean, Piccolo would probably do just about anything for him other than, you know, I guess teaching him how to dodge. But outside of that, I think just about everything else. (laughs) He tried to teach him anyway. He tried. He definitely (laughs) tried. Lots of screaming and kicking. (laughs) (laughs) We do. Um. Not long after this, we do get, um, I think it's a brief scene uh, training with Trunks, and we get kind of a sit-down between Trunks and Gohan. And Trunks asks about uh, Vegeta and what his dad was like. And this is, this is very important because it's supposed to drive home the point that Trunks has never known his dad. It's only been him and Bulma and, I guess, Gohan. But even then, it's kind of a... You can tell they weren't really close until they were kind of forced to be at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, we get the impression that Trunks hasn't had a lot of interactions with Gohan at all uh, outside of, you know, him asking to train Trunks. But but yeah, I mean, Trunks wants to know about his father and, and Trunks is latching on to Gohan as a father figure. And I, I don't blame him. He's 13. Like he he wants somebody to look up to. And Trunks is also probably one of the strongest people on the planet. He's nowhere near as strong as Gohan for sure, or the androids, but he's got all this power and just doing nothing with it. Well, there's also, there's nobody else on the planet that's similar to Trunks other than Gohan. There's no one else he could go to really. And so it just, it's a natural connection. It makes sense. I think Trunks even says something like that in this special at one point, just saying, you know, Hey, we're both half human, half Saiyan. Like, you you must understand what I'm going through right now, trying to wanting to do something about the androids and not being able to. Yeah, and it's you know that that's once again it's a lot of weight, it's a lot of pressure on a 13 year old, and it's somebody who hardly understands the world, let alone themselves in this evil, I guess that's invaded their planet. And I I mean I like it. I think it's very well written, and I like this kind of oh, yeah. moment to establish that connection between Trunks and Gohan. I thought it was very important, and I really liked it, even yeah, if it was yeah. just for a second. I agree. I mean, the scenes are quick. This is a very short special, but they they don't waste time. Uh, each scene feels like it it has a lot of weight to it. They they also while they're talking about that in that little moment, we get a visual of Trunks trying to go super saiyan you can see his hair kind of spike up you see the golden aura so he's he's getting close with gohan's guidance but he's he's not there yet just remember the kids just remember the kids (laughs) that's the the mantra apparently but uh i think that's going to be important here coming up shortly yeah and uh speaking of shortly the androids show up at super world and let me tell you, they are evil as hell. All these people are waiting in line to get on this roller coaster, and they cut right to the front of that line. Bunch of jerks. I know, right? Uh, I have to make a quick note here, because 
just about the voice acting. So we have we have some of our original Funimation cast with Chuck Huber and Meredith McCoy. As oh, those are eight. names that I couldn't place, but yeah, yeah, keep going. <laughs> as 17 and 18, and they they do a great job. We get Eric Vale as Trunks, Damian Clark as Gohan, which I think is a different adult Gohan than we get later on. Uh, but there's a really funny cameo of just this random side character, somebody who's running the park. And the only reason I wanted to make a note of it is because it's Sean Schemmel and the oh voice that God. he does. It basically sounds like a combination. If you meshed King Kai and Goku and slammed them together, <laughs> that's exactly what this character sounds like. And as soon as I picked it up, I just laughed hysterically. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, I'm going to watch it again just to pick that out. <laughs> it's it's pretty comical. You're like, oh, that's Sean Shevel doing this random guy. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I never picked up on that. That's That's great. Oh, my God. I love all the crossover stuff. Oh, yeah, it's fun. I love the fun little details like that. But kind of moving forward, we basically get uh, the androids murdering people in Super World. And that's when our Z fighters show up to hopefully save some people here. Yeah, we get uh, Gohan and Trunks together showing up. And once they show up, it's a very quick little exchange of words. And the battle almost begins immediately. And at first we have 17 stepping out and we're getting a one-on-one -on -one battle between Gohan and her or in him. And, you know, one thing I want to point out really quickly is that this fight scene is actually pretty short, but I absolutely love it because every punch feels deliberate. Every yes. sequence is something that's planned out. It's not just the, you know, the screaming and just the blurs of punches going at each other or repeating scenes or anything like that. Every single like blow is animated and there's a block or a hit or something associated with it. It's very, very well done. I 100% agree with you. And I think that's part of my very fond memories of this special too, is that the fight scenes are great. Like this is just a, a random one-off TV special. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the best fight scenes in Dragon Ball Z. Probably they, they feel, it feels much more like high octane super powered martial arts than it does just fast blurring motions. It's, yeah. And it's really fun. Just to, just to reiterate, these fight scenes are actually very brief, but every single little part of them is animated with a purpose and that's something that i i really took the time to appreciate because you can watch this fight scene you know that when go when gohan throws a punch there's going to be a block and then a counter strike or there's going to be mm -hmm. an impact and something's going to happen every scene matters and i really really like that about it i cannot stress it enough yeah i very much agree with you and with it being short we basically get gohan and 17 kind of duking it out and something else that makes this fight scene really, really fun is that as soon as Gohan gets the upper hand against 17, that's when 18 cuts in and she knocks Gohan into this pane of glass, shattering it. And then we get to see the androids double team Gohan. And I love this. I love seeing the androids work together in the fight. And basically knocking him to the ground and then beating him up and continuing to beat him up. 
Yeah, and now that, you know, Gohan was doing pretty well when it was a one-on-one, but now he's kind of in a vulnerable position, and that's where Trunks more or less jumps in to try and, well, help out his buddy. And we get kind of the pairings of 17 continuing to fight uh, Gohan, and we get 18 fighting, you know, at this point, a very young Trunks. And it doesn't take long to realize that this is a big mismatch. 18 is on a whole different level. Yes. This scene is also fantastic because the this feels very deliberate too, but it feels deliberate in a different way where we are clearly seeing just a kid who has no idea what how to fight. I, I mean, obviously better than you know any normal human, but... Compared to 18, he's totally outclassed. 18 is just smiling and toying with him. And the other part that makes this great is 18's expressions here, where she's just smiling like she's playing with a toy until she smacks Trunks in the face and Trunks retaliates by blasting her with a knee in the stomach. And that's when she gets angry. Yeah, this this pisses her off and Trunks is just beaten to the ground. And while he's lying there, 18 walks up and kind of grabs him by the shirt or the scruff and holds him up. And Trunks is wincing in pain, but still a defiant little teenager. He yells out, go ahead and do it, you witch. And just that insult, that's enough to kind of piss off 18. And we see a a key blast beginning to charge up. And this is when Gohan kind of notices and realizes, "Uh, I got to look after this kid because he's not doing so hot. And so we get a scene of Gohan kind of diving in, kind of saving Trunks from being blown away. But at the same time, 17 launches a blast that kind of hits Gohan pretty hard. But Gohan kind of shields to turn Trunks and begins trying to make his way out of the fight. And I love this because this shows the maturity of Gohan. Yeah, yeah, it shows Gohan's maturity, his strength, his courage. His it's awareness. a great scene. Yeah, absolutely. Like Gohan and, is a he's a battle hardened fighter at this point, and Trunks is still cutting his teeth. And you see just such a severe difference, not just fighting strength, but demeanor. And that oh yeah. This scene is so important. This fight is so good and the scene is so important. It's very well done. It's fantastic, man. I I still, to this day, this special is amazing. And we basically get to see, you know, Gohan bodily protecting Trunks and then hiding, hiding from the androids. And they they basically lose track of him. And then their their solution is just to take some pot shots and hope they get lucky. And ugh, the results are, are devastating. Yeah, they kind of lose track of the androids kind of lose track of Trunks and Gohan. And so they decide to just kind of shoot blindly and they start carpeting the area and after blowing everything away they realize that they have no idea if they killed trunks and gohan or not and so they just kind of at that point just go all right well we're just gonna leave because we have no idea what to do at this point and we get this pan over scene and we see gohan just kind of lying in the dirt just absolutely brutalized just wounded just in rough shape you can tell he's loot he's he's lost an arm and he's dragging himself across the ground and he opens up a little bag and there's one sensu sensu bean left in it and he thinks to himself Ugh, what would dad do in this situation and he kind of like grimaces as he like 
leans over trunks and puts the last sensu bean in his mouth. Uh it's it's so good. Uh it's it's really doing a great job of telling you how dire everything is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean we we see like a great visual of Gohan's just pupils disappearing in his eyes, him going unconscious as he feeds the sensu bean to trunks and no blood. I, I, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Funimation. <laughs> In the Funimation I mean, there... version, there's no blood. Oh, okay. Because there, I mean, there's blood. I mean, depending on how you look at the blood, there's blood like scuffed up on them, but there's not like there's not like a pool of blood where his arm is, which you would imagine there would be. <laughs> they do that thing where it's just kind of this like black scuff mark stuff where blood should be, and it's implied, but it's not actually there. Oh. I wonder if I watched a different version because there's definitely like blood marks on them and the version that I watched. Oh, is there? (laughs) So, and that's actually a good point too because I forgot that when they released this on VHS, they released an edited version and an unedited version. (laughs) Oh, maybe, maybe I got the edited version. That could very well be a part of it. Yeah, I I didn't even think about that when we started talking about this. But yeah, you might have watched the edited version because there's... I'm looking at it right now. There's blood on their face and stuff. Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. All right. So th- there's a version where it's a bloody mess, and there's a version where it's not so much a bloody mess. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's something that we've talked about with Super, where I don't think either Dayton or I are a fan of the fact that they don't show blood in Super. And we've talked about the reasons mm-hmm. why, but I like having some blood in my Dragon Ball. I like it being a little bit more visceral. Just don't worry about the time slot. Just make it the way it needs to be made. Make it something that you're going to watch a hundred times. Something that you're going to pass on to your kids or teenagers or whatever. Make something that's just great. Yeah, I want it to be timeless. But Mm -hmm. uh, now, as we're kind of coming to the close of the scene, I wanted to bring up my first complaint. Uh We've We've been gushing about this TV special, and I love it so much. My first complaint, watching this as an adult, it is very hard for me to imagine a Gohan who is dumb enough to take young, untrained, non-Super Saiyan trunks into battle against the androids. (sighs) Like, it's so hard for me to imagine Gohan doing that, who is, you know, Gohan is traditionally a very smart person, I mean, has been fighting since he was four years old. I just don't see it. Like, it it, it blows my mind thinking that he'd do something so stupid. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I mean, it's... It's hard for me to gauge it one way or the other because Gohan... What was it? When Goku died, how old was Gohan? Still like a young teenager, right? Not even. He would have been closer to like 10 years old. So it's not like Gohan was really even raised that long with his father figure. And it's not like Goku was a great father figure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong there. (laughs) And I mean, I guess there's an argument. He, I guess he was holding his own against the androids. And so bringing trunks along, I guess maybe, you know, things would go better sort of thing. Uh, it's it's tough. I, I think it's a really it tough situation. And also, you know, as these cities get blown away and, you know, 
thousands, if not hundreds of thousands are dying. It's, it's hard for not that, it's hard for that weight to not also influence your decisions, I guess. So, right. Yeah. To your point, I think that there's ways that you can kind of justify it, especially because like you said about Gohan, not having Goku around, not having his father around for the majority of his life here, the, this Gohan is going to be significantly different than the Gohan that we know in the normal timeline. It's, it's still though, as somebody who is, who is as strong, smart, courageous as Gohan is, and also who cares about life so much. I, I mean, I, I know, I think we all know that he cares about Trunks's life and he knows that he's going to be putting Trunks in danger by taking him with him to the androids. So it's, that's the only, it, it stretches my, my view of the realism in the world just enough where I'm like, ah, it bothers me a little bit, but I can get over it. I mean, all I'm saying is that, uh, throwing kids into the big boss battle is in his blood. So like, I'm just going to leave it there. I mean, you're not wrong there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I agree. Gohan is is traditionally, I guess, perceived or at least displayed as somebody who's very intelligent. And we don't really see a ton of that in this in this movie. We don't see him having very many big brain moments. He's just kind of. I I don't know, I guess, kind of a young Goku at this point, or I don't I don't know how to describe it, but he does. He does still have his traditional kind of Gohan flares where he's not itching for a fight like Goku would be. He's a little bit more level-headed. Right. Yes, definitely. But that's my one little minor issue here. I think we kind of end up moving forward from there with Trunks saving Gohan after Trunks is healed up from the Sensu Bean. So Trunks takes Gohan back to Balma's house and Balma does whatever she can, you know, to to fix up Gohan. Um, well, we when they a... show up, what is uh, what is she working on? Oh, I think she's she is working on the time machine, isn't she? She is. We get our first kind of shot of the all important time machine at this point. It's actually starting to come together. So we we're getting the first, uh, I guess, shots of where these two timelines are going to start coming together. But it's very quickly interrupted by a very bloodied and beat up unconscious Gohan kind of strung over the shoulder of Trunks as he arrives and is just in complete panic. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good point because the time machine obviously is going to be important coming up, but we basically get Gohan. I mean, sans an arm, uh, all bandaged up and he's, he does come to, they, they have kind of a funny scene where they say that the doctor said he wouldn't wake up for a week and he's already like waking up. And, uh, I mean, it's just showing the constitution of Gohan and the, again, the strength of character and everything in him. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I think uh history of trunks. Gohan is my favorite Gohan. I, I love seeing him as kind of the, the hero kind of really stepping into those shoes, not because he wants to, but because it's necessary. You, you really get to see the content of, of his character sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time arguing with you. I really like Super Saiyan 2 Gohan against Cell, but I mean, even that might not be as... Uh, his Super Saiyan 2 Gohan's character or even Super Saiyan 1 Gohan's character 
is not as admirable as future Gohan, I think. Yeah, once you consider that he doesn't actually like fighting, it kind of really pulls back the heroism of the Cell Gohan. It does. I mean, it it shows Gohan in a different light in a way where he's a good contrast to our characters like Goku, who is just a fight crazed monster in a lot of ways <laughs> well but, we also see a, a real dark side in the the gohan in the cell series where he's he's kind of drunk with power and is just oh, yeah. kind of toying with cell and you see this real dark side that you're you don't expect to see especially since he's still a kid and there's a part of me that likes that more because that makes gohan a very complex character whereas this gohan the future gohan I like for very different reasons because he's just, he's a hero. He's, he's admirable in every sense of the word, except for taking trunks into a battle where he's not prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I think both Gohans are, are good for their timelines, right? Because there are different events that lead up to the people that they become. Right. I think I'm a bigger fan of the history of trunks Gohan because he's, he he becomes what he should be. He becomes what the world needs sort of thing. <laughs> and like, I think I do think there's something really admirable about that. And he's, you know, he's that way for, you know, for a lot of very specific reasons. And you understand it. Whereas I feel like with the cell Gohan, that dark side, there's no real payoff to it. And you kind of, you kind of want to see that come into play at some other point. We never really see that. Yeah, and that that's fair. It would be hard for me to argue with you there. The me chuckling at your words about him becoming the the Gohan that we need is funny to me, if only because that's future Gohan is probably the Gohan that all of the fan base would have loved to have seen <laughs> be the yeah. real Gohan. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. that is absolutely fair. <laughs> yeah like can we can we just take that uh gohan and just transplant it into the current series all right thanks yeah i mean i think back to one of the episodes that we just covered in instant transmission where trunks was looking at our our standard timeline gohan with his glasses and his sweater vest and all that and was like viewing him and seeing the silhouette of the strong future Gohan over top of him and trying to like reconcile those differences. And that's what I'm imagining right now. <laughs> yep. You, me, Trunks, the whole fan base are all thinking about that. It's like, what happened since Cell? Oh. <laughs> oh, Sad nothing. Face. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we get uh we get Gohan all patched up and after a little recovery time uh gohan goes back to training trunks and they're working on getting that super saiyan power up you can tell that trunks is just right on the cusp you're getting those kind of flares the electricity sparks the flashes of the the gold or yellow hair and you know gohan tells trunks that yeah like you can do it you just need the right motivation and so they're trying to use things you know, to to try and motivate Trunks. And Trunks asks, like, well, what motivates you? What got you to go Super Saiyan? And Gohan mentions, yeah, like, what makes me get it is when I think about how the androids killed all of my friends. And it's such a just, like, home-hitting little statement where it's just like, oh. 
so good so good for many so many reasons especially i mean the foreshadowing the i mean the the emotions that connect with gohan there just all of it It, it's fantastic the writing in this is great i mean we're we're looking at the funimation dub and i know the funimation dub does change some of the lines i know some people are not big fans of what funimation has done with some of the the translations but even in the Funimation dub, the writing is great. Like it all ties together really, really well. Yeah. And some, some of my complaints are actually kind of comical. It's kind of cultural differences that they did a poor job of conveying and stuff like that. And right. I mean, this was, this movie came out over 20 years ago at this point or about 20 years ago. So, I mean, we've come a long way since then as far as, you know, Oh Yeah getting anime properly dubbed and actually supporting it and having all the services and all the voice acting staff and that sort of thing. So it's, I'm going to cut it a little bit of slack considering the the time. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. But we basically keep moving forward with the story. The Gohan and Trunks, they're, I mean, they're having this talk and very, very close to them within viewing distance. They see, an explosion in one of the cities nearby. And I mean, we get the impression that we've got another attack from the androids and Gohan starts to get angry, goes super Saiyan. And this time does what he should have done the first time and tells trunks, you're not coming with me. I'm going to go deal with them myself. I don't, he, he actually says this time now, hopefully learning from his mistakes saying that you are more of a uh, weakness for me when you're there, Trunks. Yeah, I thought that was a a hell of a state. That was some hot truth that Gohan just dropped down on Trunks. And I think, I mean, it's it should be obvious that having a kid that you have to kind of keep track of while you're battling is definitely a weakness. And, you know, it's a harsh thing to say, but it was the absolute truth. And I'm glad Gohan kind of built up the gun- gumption to, tell trunks that but trunks hmm. is not hearing it trunks is he's ready to go fight he's like no i'm not letting you go alone i'm going to go fight with you and you know part of that is you could say it's that that saying pride or you could say it's the vegeta bloodline but there was no way in hell trunks was going to let gohan go alone and so we get a scene where gohan says yeah all right yeah let's do it let's go fight the androids together and when Trunks kind of turns and gets ready to kind of blast off together, we get Gohan kind of doing the judo chop and putting Trunks <laughs> unconscious on the ground. And uh, yeah, Gohan charges off to battle because uh, that was the only way to deal with this 13-year-old who would not listen. Yeah. And it, and we've seen I, stuff like this before, right? It actually just dawned on me. This isn't the first time we've seen scenes like this. Did it happen in the Boo Saga? In the Boo Saga. Oh, oh, interesting parallel. Vegeta punches, I think, Goten and Trunks in the stomach. He punches Goten and knocks him out. And then he hugs Trunks and chops Trunks in the back of the neck, Uh. knocking him out. (laughs) I didn't actually make that parallel. That's funny. That just rattled loose in the back of my brain. I don't even have notes on that. That just occurred to me. Yeah, um, it's Kind of funny at that point that <laughs> in both timelines, the uh, the father figure has knocked out the kid. No, that's I didn't even think about that. That's another great parallel. I mean, we get lots of great parallels in here. Uh, 
I mean, if we want to talk about Gohan and having one arm and uh, a one arm Kamehameha in the Cell Saga. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many good little parallels in this history of Trunks. I love it. But we basically, yeah, he, he knocks Trunks out. I love that they show all the way throughout this this TV special, they show Trunks acting like a child constantly. Uh, and and rightly so. He's he's thirteen he's years 13, old. Thirteen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's great writing. It, it's it's good characterization for you know this teenager who has a bunch of pent up rage and anger and power and doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, they do a great job, and that's something that a lot of shows, not just anime or anything like that, that I I criticize that they make these young uh kids or young teenagers they usually make them act too adult they say things that a kid wouldn't say they do things that a kid wouldn't do in this you get this this confused and angry kid who's trying to figure out how to fix things and he can't and sometimes he's making them worse and he's not listening and yeah it's the everything that trunks did is exactly what i would have wanted him to do because it's what a kid would do and i i love it's it's good writing yeah, it makes sense. It feels realistic. But we basically move forward with Gohan with one arm flying to confront the two androids. I love that and, kick. That kick was so good. Oh, man. It's great. Just flies in, plows Android 17 in the face with one foot and just knocks him through a building. Mm-hmm. Uh, destroying That's how you shirt. arrive on scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it right there. It's a hell of an entrance. It's awesome. <laughs> and they, I mean, they, they start the fight right off. Uh, they, this time, don't mess around fighting one-on-one. They are fighting two against one right off the bat here. And this fight, just like the last one, beautiful choreography, fantastic scenes. I love this fight. We get some good tandem fighting. Like last time, every punch, every kick, for the most part, is just very deliberate. The Oh, um, I did want to bring up, uh, there is a moment in here where uh, 17 and 18 are firing key blasts at Gohan, and he uses an energy shield, something that we see 17 use in uh, Dragon Ball Super in the Tournament of Power. And I thought that was, I'm wondering if maybe that's where they drew that inspiration from, because it makes a lot of sense to me. I made that exact same note, because even the energy shield that Gohan uses looks just like 17's energy shield. It has that shield. green kind of color to it with a little bit of the the, the shine. Yeah, it's, I, I feel like it has to be a callback to this. There's no way it's not. No, it has to be. And and that's why I when I saw that too, I, I'm glad that you picked up on that because I I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, he's here with 17. 17 uses that same shield. Like it has to be a connection. It's great. So if that's where they got the the 17 kind of energy shield slash barrier kind of thought process from, don't mind it because it's a throwback, but at the same time, uh Trunks 17 has never seen it or I'm sorry, our timeline 17 has never seen Gohan use it, but whatever, I guess I'll take it. It's just at that point, it's just fan service and uh, whatever. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff like that between the timelines where you're like, well, but this timeline didn't have that happening, but it's in here. Any well, I don't know. But. Whatever. I'm just not going to think too hard about it. Time travel ruins everything. So just set it aside. Don't think too hard about it and just enjoy what you what you can find the silver lining and just devour it. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I want to gush about this fight a little bit more because like you were saying about the earlier ones, all of the attacks feel good. They feel weighty. The androids feel like they're working as a team against a more powerful opponent. There are times when Gohan gets them isolated where it feels like he is the strongest out of the three of them and he's just taking them to town. There's a point where he fires off three key blasts at 17, where 17 blocks two of them, and then the third one takes him right in the face. And then he Gohan grabs 18 by the ankle and slams her oh, into a building. It's so good. It's so oh. good. It's like this Hulk smash right into the building. It looks awesome you I can love see it. the explosions come out of the windows on every yeah. floor that the android goes through just the amount of thought and just getting slammed through a building top notch 10 out of 10 it's i can't say enough good things about it absolutely i felt the same way it's such a good shot uh there's shortly after that uh we get a scene where gohan powers up in Super Saiyan form. He's He's been in Super Saiyan form the whole fight, but he's powering up, and we get a shot of him with purple lightning around him, which I had to make a note about this because first I thought, okay, this looks cool. Then I thought, well, this might be stepping on the toes of Super Saiyan 2 because usually we see Super Saiyan 2 with the lightning. But then my third thought was, this might be alluding to Super Saiyan 2 Gohan versus Cell, which would be a really cool nod to that, actually. I can buy it. I definitely know the scene you're talking about. And, I mean, this this show was already showing us kind of Trunks being on the doorstep and kind of showing the flares of that next step. And then we get to see Gohan kind of doing the same thing. If that's the, if that's the imagery that they were going for, the amount of foresight and the amount of thought that was putting put into this i mean every step of the show has been fantastic and i yeah. absolutely buy that i don't think the lightning was an accident i do think it was actually because we don't see that lightning any other place other than when trunks is kind of almost about to go super saiyan and so i do think that the lightning is representative of being on the doorstep of that next great thing right yeah so i I thought that was just a great little detail that kind of takes us into the scene where we basically get a thunderstorm coming in rain and lightning and 17 has some sort of great line. I mean, it's maybe a little cliche or tacky, but I love it where he just says something about this, this thunderstorm is a great backdrop for your demise. And I mean, we get to see what happens next. Yeah, it's, I mean, Gohan is, he, I mean, he's fighting like hell and we get, uh, we actually get a key struggle and Gohan's actually faring fairly well, but it's, you, there's even a change in the music at this point, right? Like when the, yeah. the dark clouds start rolling in, it's, you can tell the whole demeanor of, of the fight has changed. And now you can tell Gohan's in kind of a rough spot and he's being, beaten back and the androids their kind of tandem combo is starting to prove to be too much for gohan 
and we get a scene where Gohan is kind of knocked from the sky and he's knocked down towards the earth and both androids are kind of floating above him. And we see them start just raining key blast down on top of him as we as he screams. And that's where the scene kind of fades and we go over to Trunks waking up from being unconscious. Right. And so it's very well done, by the way. This is very well done. Oh, yeah. The cuts in this are fantastic. And so Trunks makes his way into the city in during this thunderstorm. It's, you know, rain pouring down. The sky is dark and there's seemingly no people, no action going on in the city as Trunks flies in and he eventually comes across Gohan lying face down on the ground in the rain and Trunks makes his way to the ground and starts to approach Gohan's body already probably knowing what's happened tears kind of streaming down his face and he he gets to Gohan's body and sure enough Gohan's dead and this this is one of my favorite scenes in all of Dragon Ball period. His his scream here in both the dub in the Japanese and in the Team 4 Star version and just seeing him deal with this emotionally and trying to cope with the fact that his father figure, his mentor has now died and this is the trigger that trunks needed the entire time to get that next step that transformation into super saiyan and the the whole thing is bittersweet right like this was the thing that that trunks was working towards this whole time to try and help gohan so that way they could defeat the androids and it's kind of in you know at at this moment when it at, when it's too late when everything feels like it's kind of been lost to him he finally yes. gets it it's this kind of crossroad demons kind of deal where yeah he he got what he was working for this whole time but it's it's too late and just watching that scene they do a great job of showing trunks just kind of like not knowing how to deal with it he's like clawing at his face and screaming and leaning back and crying and in pain and it's just an incredibly emotional scene it's very very well done i and one thing I want to point out, too, is Gohan isn't um, left like in a battlefield or a battlefield looking environment. There's no statues around him. There's no there's no real, I guess, imagery to paint Gohan in a good light. He was basically left in the middle of a cracked street face down in a puddle kind of unceremoniously. And it yeah. makes the scene just feel that much darker and more impactful and visceral because they they weren't trying to do an overly artistic expression of Gohan's death. It was just, here he is, face down in a puddle, he died. And it's just like, oh my... Like, that's one of those things that can kind of draw imagery out of the mind and make it hit home just a little bit harder because it's... it it. I mean, I know it's people flying around and firing key blasts, but it makes it feel that much more realistic. Oh, yeah. I, I very much agree with you. I mean, just seeing Gohan's face, no pupils. I mean, one eye and his mouth in the puddle laying there lifeless. It 
and this is this is our hero this is the the person who's been fighting for humanity for the past decade or more and he's just been murdered i mean like without like you said unceremoniously and it's it's tragic it's i mean there's there's irony there with like you were talking about too with you know trunks finally getting that transformation now when if he had gotten it before there's a good chance that two super saiyans could have beaten the two androids but there was one super saiyan and now there's one super saiyan because one's been killed and and that's the thing too is how alone does trunks feel at this point oh like, yeah like he's just at the, there's no one else it's just him and the androids as far as saving mankind and i can only imagine as a 13 year old how isolated and and frustrated and confused and sad like ev- pretty much every emotion that you you could feel he's probably feeling right now it's and you feel all of it with that kind of like scream of pain when when he's realizing what happened to gohan and not even just lonely but guilty i almost certainly trunks is blaming himself for what happened because trunks was the reason gohan lost his arm trunks wasn't there for gohan when gohan went to fight the androids the second time even though that was you know gohan's doing and trunks wasn't strong enough trunks didn't transform into a super saiyan in time to help gohan fight the androids all of that probably leads trunks this 13 year old kid to feeling responsible for the death of his father figure and mentor and i guess to kind of backtrack a little bit how do you think gohan felt when all the other z fighters were killed and he survived beyond them so this is gohan's more or less been in this exact same situation where he kind of felt alone because when all the other z fighters were killed trunks was still basically a baby yeah yeah and you're i think you're bringing up actually a really good parallel between trunks and gohan not only in the loneliness there but I can imagine Gohan also feeling some measure of guilt or responsibility for the Z fighters deaths where he probably felt like he wasn't strong enough or he should have been there to help them or whatever the case was. So yeah, another great parallel between Trunks and Gohan too. It's one of those things where I would love to see that explored just a little bit more, but Holy crap, what what a powerful scene, if not one of the most powerful scenes in all of Dragon Ball. Yeah, 100%. But I think we'll move forward cuz we could probably talk about this scene for hours. That's true. <laughs> we're going to move forward we're going to move forward 3 years. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a time skip here for our Hey, hero time of skip, time. huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a 3-year time skip and Bulma has just about finished the time machine but Trunks is reluctant to even use it because he doesn't want to get dead people to help him fight the androids I think it is an excellent line because Trunks has never met any of these other people he has no desire to meet them they are strangers to him he's going to solve it himself he's still basically a teenager at this point it is Phenomenal. I love that he's not really on board with the time machine to go meet a bunch of strangers. Yeah. I mean, he he doesn't know these people. 
I mean, time travel is a crazy concept in itself. And like you said, he's a teenager. He's, you know, he's, he's cocky. He's, he's not very worldly necessarily. Um, also your, your note about the line where he says, I don't want dead people to help me. God, there, there's something in there in my brain that is tying that, <laughs> that's tying it to Gohan's death too. Like where, oh, geez, I thought Gohan, you were going to say that it's kind of what the fan base kind of thinks where we need to get rid of the dragon balls. That way consequences matter because <laughs> in well, I mean, timeline, <laughs> they do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that is what I want. I would love the dragon balls to just not be a thing so that we could have some consequences. Cause that's why I love this story. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so weighty. <laughs> it is. It is very weighty. But, but I love that comment. I had to bring it up because I think it, it really speaks volumes of not only the world that Trunks is living in, but kind of his experience in that world. He doesn't know. He like if somebody no. could go back and meet their you know dad or whatever, that you know, that'd be neat. But him, he's just like, no, I've never met my dad. I've n- I never knew him. So I don't even want to get his help. I don't want to meet any of these other people. Who is Goku? Like, I, I'm not on board with this. I thought that was cool. It was a brief line. It was just kind of a one off thing. But it was, a, I'm so glad he said it because it just makes sense. I think he even adds to that saying something to the effect of, I'm strong enough to take on the androids right he now. He does say that, yep. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is not only insane, but also what a great line for a 16 year old kid who's probably the strongest person on the planet outside of the androids to say, just cocky and very very teenager thing to say is it cocky or is it pride is it that vegeta pride where mm. it's just i cannot accept not being strong enough to beat them it's yeah it, i mean it could be either i don't know inflection oh. means a lot so uh, you can read it whichever way you want as far as i'm concerned but i read it as pride i will not rely on other people to save my universe i won't let it happen yeah, and I, I mean, he's coming from two parents who are both very proud, so even not having that Vegeta influence, he does have that Vegeta bloodline, so... That's true, yeah. That's that's what I read it as, but uh, you never know. Voice acting is uh, a hell of a thing in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but most of these guys did a great job. They, they, did, they did a really good job, especially for the time frame. It was... Yeah, what they had to work with. Mm-hmm. But we do get a change of scenes as we find out that the androids are attacking another town and uh, Trunks is going to rush off to meet them. But there's something a little different this time, isn't there, Todd? Oh, yeah. I mean, not only do we have our older Trunks, we've got a Super Saiyan Trunks and he's got a sword. A goddamn sword! (laughs) No idea where you got it from, but hell yeah, don't care. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the the team four star version makes a joke about that too because <laughs> well a little bit of a tangent but dragon ball z movie 13 with the the dragon fist movie and hair uh hair harrigan i'm forgetting hmm. the bad guy's name but basically we get tapion in there who gives young trunks the sword and so Team Four Star makes a joke about that. <laughs> and they, they, Trunks flies away saying, 
yeah, I took the sword with me that Tapion gave me, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> God damn, that's funny. That's really funny. Well, yeah, I'm glad it's... they're always on point. <laughs> they're Get pretty it, on it's top a sword. Of it's a sword. It's got a... Anyway, so uh, Trux <laughs> arrives at the ruins of a town and begins fighting the androids. It does not take long. It <laughs> Trunk shows up and fighting begins. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh... This whole fight, there's so many great little details here, but I mean, Trunks starts off the fight with the sword, which I mean, especially as a 90s kid, I was like, fuck yeah, swords are awesome. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's pretty badass. Yeah, but he he pretty quickly, I think, uh, drops the sword at one point. He does use, which this is something that I thought was interesting about this TV special. This is one of the first techniques that i think that we see is trunks's burning attack where he does all the quick hand motions and then does he actually call it that he doesn't say the name of the attack but it's very clearly like visually his burning attack because i actually like that was one of my pet peeves is that he was doing these things and there was different like colors denoting different attacks and the techniques or whatever but he never said anything so i was a little confused because. I felt like these should have been signature abilities or something like that, but there was nothing to really accompany the, the, the color of the key or the different hand gestures he did before he fired away. And so it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. If anything, like screaming the name of the attack before firing it's kind of childish, but I also <laughs> expect it from Dragon Ball. So please do it. Yeah, absolutely. I actually made a note about that too, for, for the special in general that, the burning attack here, and it's not, he doesn't even say the name of the attack. This is maybe the only named technique that we see in the whole TV special. I don't think that unless uh, one of the other key blasts was specifically a Kamehameha. No, I no... don't. I don't remember hearing a, at least in the Funimation dub, I don't remember hearing a named attack at all. No. Yeah, I mean, unless they considered one of the beams like a Kamehameha or something else, uh, there there are no other special techniques used, which was a little bit of a bummer. I would have liked to see more of that. There are a number of kind of generic key blasts thrown around, uh, not in a terrible way like they're done in kind of like Dragon Ball Super sometimes or Dragon Ball <laughs> Heroes. You mean um, how the uh, the Kamehameha gets uh, overused and overemphasized for kind of meaningless things? Right, yeah. So like this, we could have used maybe one or two other special attacks, but not oversaturating it like Dragon Ball Super did. I mean, just even at the end there, maybe just have him fire off like a, I don't know, a Masinko or something like that, that Gohan may oh, yeah. have caught him or something, which even then, I, I think we've had discussions in our private life about the Masinko, but l- l- let's not talk about that right now. I did want to touch on <laughs> something real quick, though, but... Um, something, not the Masenko, but something I wanted to bring up about the burning attack that's interesting to me is the fact that Gohan never uses the burning attack. Gohan is, as far as we know here, Gohan's the only person who's taught Trunks. So where did the burning attack come from? Trunks, in my mind, either Gohan taught it to Trunks, which seems far-fetched to me, or Trunks has had to develop his own techniques which, which I would hope for. Right. Which that's, that's kind of, in, that's my headcanon because that makes the most sense to me. But I also really like the fact that 
supposedly Trunks has been training and developing his own techniques, which I really like. I would like that a lot. If if anything, one of my biggest criticisms of Dragon Ball Z as a whole is the lack of new techniques in in all of it. In Dragon Ball, we yeah. see a lot of interesting things. Um, and by the way, I watched it piecemeal when I was very, very young. So I, I could be wrong on that, but it feels like Dragon Ball Z and beyond is very, very slow to give characters new techniques and even bring in characters who have unseen techniques. And so anytime I get something new or something developing on its own, I'm very excited to see. And I like the idea that Trunks is kind of self-teaching and kind of learning his own techniques. And bear in mind that in this world, everyone's dead. So (laughs) at this point, all of his techniques are more or less signature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of Gohan having taught him anything and we don't, we don't really know. We do get to see in super, we get to see trunks use the Masenko, which I thought was a great little detail. Um, so we know, well, we can assume that Gohan taught trunks, the Masenko. I would have loved point. a scene where, where Gohan actually showed trunks, the Masenko, just do that. And then it's, Oh, it's so good. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. This, the, the, I'll save my full thoughts for the end. Never mind. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, we're getting on little tangents because we both clearly love this special. But hey, 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 hey. final thoughts for the end. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll save those, or maybe I'm gushing too much here. But basically, in the fight here, the uh, Trunks loses his sword at some point. He ends up picking it back up as he's kind of exchanging with the androids. And uh, he tries to stab at 17, and 17 makes one of Dayton's lovely, I see your point, puns. (laughs) We even get 18 kind of like balancing at the end of the blade, just kind of mocking Trunks. Like it's, you can tell that these androids, even one and one, are outclassing Trunks. That he is not on the same level as them. Because I, Gohan at least had some proper training when he was real young. And I believe he at least had a good amount of fighting with the androids and experience fighting as a super Saiyan, or at least fighting other beings at a high level. Right. Because Trunks is going straight from zero to beyond super Saiyan strength. Whereas Gohan at least had a little bit of that buildup kind of learning to control his power and fight things more powerful than him. Trunks has had nothing. Trunks has had to go from, I'm a baby to I need to be a Super Saiyan and even stronger. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gohan had a lot between the time frame of fighting Raditz to fighting Frieza. There's a lot in there. And so, yeah, yeah. Trunks has nothing to compare to that. And it shows in this fight. It it gets to the point where Trunks blasts them and thinks, hey, I succeeded. I destroyed them. Hold and on. That happens in Dragon Ball a lot. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that definitely did it, right, guys? <laughs> but what I like about this in this moment that follows is Trunks's reaction. Because whereas what we were talking about with future Gohan, how he seems powerful, he seems in control of the fights. Even when he's losing, he seems like he's, you know, he seems confident. And Trunks is not that. Trunks does not have the combat experience that Gohan had. Trunks panics. Trunks gets scared. And Trunks does reckless things in the battle. He ends up just 
doing a Vegeta and blowing a bunch of key blasts and wasting all of his energy on something that's not going to do anything because he's not trained and doesn't have that combat experience. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's such a powerful scene and it, it fits in line with everything we know about trunks that he's not really been trained and he's, he's kind of fighting with everything that he has, but kind of recklessly. And we get kind of this breakdown where Trunks is actually fleeing from the androids. He's actually now running for his life. And that's something I don't think we've really seen in Dragon Ball before where you're being hunted by the villains and you can't get away. It's a whole new dynamic. And we get these scenes where the androids are just toying with him. And we get kind of a color palette change where everything is dark and there are shades of red that are interjected in it. And they do a good job of making the world feel like it's claustrophobic, like Trunks is stuck in here with the androids and he can't get away. It's very, very well done. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying it, that. Very well done. It's You're going to hear that a lot at this point, but it is. We need a very well done counter on the side here somewhere. <laughs> but but yeah, I think we've both said that quite a bit. <laughs> but but there's there's a lot going on here that they do very well. So the this this almost has like kind of what you were touching on Dayton, this almost has like a, a feel of like a horror film or something very briefly. Uh, and it's, it's one of the only other times, like I can think of when cell first appears that has kind of like that horror feel to it for as much as dragon ball will dive into the horror spectrum anyway. Uh, but it, you can feel the fear and in trunks's reactions to like running into the androids as he's diving through these buildings and stuff. And it's very different from Gohan. This is not something that we would have seen from Gohan, but trunks is a 16 year old kid and he's, he's afraid for his life right now. And the, the androids make sport out of it for a little bit, but once, once they're bored, once they've had enough fun with that, they more or less beat Trunks to the ground kind of effortlessly because Trunks has already drained all of his, his key on blast and fighting them and just it, nothing's happened. And they decide that they're just going to kill him. Like it's all right. We've had enough fun. It's time to kill Trunks. And they fire some key blast into him and he's laying on the ground and he's on death's bed. It seems like, and he asks, you know, why, why are you destroying humanity? Why are you doing this? And they mentioned that after what Dr. Jero did to them, they have like a disdain for humanity and they kind of leave it there. It's kind of a little bit ambiguous, but this, uh, this enrages trunks, but he's already beaten and they attempt to finish him off with a final key blast from 18. Right. And as we get that final key blast, we don't really get to see the fallout from it we're basically cut to a scene with trunks alive in what looks like a sort of hospital bed. He's and got a cube on him. You can't see what his body's like, but you can see his head. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm trying to remember there's Balma, I think even makes a comment about that, but I can't remember if that's in the team four star one or not. Well, he, he mentions how he wants to get back up and get back out there. And she's like, how do you even know you can do that? You don't know how many limbs you have left under there. Okay. That wasn't the regular <laughs> version that I couldn't it's remember. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I do like it. Yeah. It's a good line. She's like, you might not even have any limbs or anything underneath that blanket. Um, but this is where we get the, the first scene where we, I don't know, Goku's 
actually brought up. And I love that Goku is not brought up very often in the show. The show is very much about Gohan and Trunks and, and this timeline. And Trunks asks, you know, if Goku could really make a difference. And we get Bulma explaining that, you know, there's just something special about Goku. Um, and then Trunks asks about his dad and uh, Bulma explains not to expect a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for the, anybody who's already seen the Cell Saga, we know how that goes for Trunks. Yeah. <laughs> and... and I mean this this is a this is a good scene. This is kind of showing it's showing the folly of a 16-year-old kid with power again, right? It's it's I mean, he was fortunate enough to to survive that blast. And one thing that I wanted to actually bring up is that I've seen a number of people in the fan base complain about Trunks surviving the android's final attack. And I'm kind of indifferent to that. I feel like the special actually does a really good job of showing that the androids are not thorough in their follow through and that they're easily distracted. Like these, as much as they murder hundreds and thousands and probably millions of people, they're, they're not trained killers necessarily. They're not, I mean, they're just kids having fun. Yeah. They're childish, right? Like they're, they're just trying to get their kicks. They don't actually care if he's dead. They're just going to fire their thing off and go, yeah, he's dead, and then move on with their day. They also right. don't really perceive... I don't think they're capable of perceiving anyone else as a threat, so they don't care. Oh, yeah. So if Trunks is still alive, it doesn't matter to them. It's whatever. Oh, you're a stubborn bastard. I'll just keep blast you again. I'm like right. It doesn't we'll matter to again them. Later. They're just going to go to the next amusement park, kill everybody, ride it for a while, and then go on with their day. They're it's not like, say, Frieza, who was killing with a purpose and wanted to subjugate the universe and be Lord. You have to be very thorough with that. If you just want to ride rides and kill people, eh, you know, thoroughness may vary. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's pretty much going to take us to the very end scene for this special. Yeah. And it's just, you know, Bulma handing trunks the antidote for goku's heart disease um they exchange goodbyes say i love you and off goes trunks into the past and we get um during the credits some scenes from the actual dragon ball series with trunks showing up and they kind of push that integration into the rest of the show and i really like that don't like the music but i really like that (laughs) that's fair uh we i did want to point out two things here where up to this point, we haven't seen our signature Trunks outfit. This is where oh, we first yeah. get to see Trunks in his crop jacket with his black tank top and black pants and with his sword. And we also get a close-up shot, and I love this, but the close-up shot of the one of the arms of the time machine with the word hope written on it. And it, it it's just such a great shot. I, I really love it. But yeah, it does kind of cut then to the credits where we get to see, speaking of cutting, Trunks cut Frieza in half. That's right. Um, That's right. That's our boy. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that leading into probably one of my favorite s- scenes in Dragon Ball Z with uh, Trunks' first appearance. So. So I think at this point it's uh 
So what do you think? What do you think about the whole thing? What are your thoughts and feelings? Yeah, yeah, I have. I definitely have some strong thoughts and feelings about it. I do want to touch on briefly, and I think this is an area where Dayton and I might disagree a little bit, but I wanted to talk about the music. Now, I went through and watched every version of this <laughs> special that I could find. Yeah, I get it. You did your extra credit. Don't rub it in my face. <laughs> but because I absolutely, spoilers, love this special. Um, the So they... I personally did not like, I watched through the Japanese with the Japanese music and the the Funimation dub with the Japanese music. I think the Japanese music does not fit. I, I feel like there are multiple scenes where the, the music just sounds out of place. There's a scene where Gohan and uh, Trunks are talking and the music kind of crescendos at the end where it sounds like they should be fighting and it's like, uh, but it's more like a tragic, you know, emotional scene. And the the Funimation music for that, though, whereas I know a lot of people are going to say they don't like the Funimation music for this, and some of it's not the greatest. But the Funimation music for that scene in particular had sad piano music that kind of shifted uh, with a bit more hope at the end of it, which I really liked. And then there's another scene that I wanted to point out with the music where Trunks is trying to go Super Saiyan while Gohan's advising him. Uh, and there's kind of this rough rock music for the Funimation music, but it fits well into the scene where it crescendos with Trunks powering up and then lets up as Trunks powers down. And the Japanese music for that scene just did not feel fitting to me either. So there, even though the Funimation music is very 90s, there's rock in there, there's some rap in there, and it feels a little bit out of place at times, I still felt like the music fit the scenes better. And I feel like that's going to be a kind of unpopular opinion, unfortunately. But well, after a quick flip through of the Japanese version, um, I will agree with you. I do think overall the Funimation version is better than the the original version. Um, but the original version was awful. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> that right now. The music in that was terrible. And the the thing with the Funimation version is that the like the. 75% of it was fine music. It, the music fit the scene. It wasn't necessarily great, but it was what the scene needed. The couple times where they decided to be kind of hip and cool and throw some rock or rap into there, it was also like the cringiest rock and rap they could have thrown in there, and it just didn't sound yeah. good. So with the Japanese version, it was just like, yeah, this is kind of bad, and you move on. Whereas with the Funimation stuff, it kind of like jars you when it just kind of like flips into a scene where it feels like it really shouldn't belong and so it's it makes you more aware and i think that's why i had a stronger opinion of it but yeah the the original is bad yeah i mean that's fair i'll give you that and i i would probably agree with you where the funimation music it's about 75 percent of it where it's like this is fine it feels very 90s but it fits the scene and then the other 25%, you're like, ooh, ooh, why did they choose that? Yeah. Like, the original Japanese version, too, it's a lot of that music, it doesn't even sound 90s. It sounds like 80s and just not not, not so great. And I don't know. It's uh, It did not make me want to watch it for the music, that's for sure. No. I What bothered me most about the, the Japanese music was just how out of place it felt for the scenes. Even the tragic scene with 
with Trunks approaching Gohan, I was like, this just doesn't fit right. It doesn't make me feel for the scene. And I was telling Dayton before we started recording that really the the best version, especially for that scene where Trunks finds Gohan's dead body, is the Team Four Star, the abridged version. Their music for that scene is so on point. It gives it's me really chills. Good. It's actually very, very good. I do like the way that they kind of cut in the the shots of what Gohan went through up to those final moments. Absolutely. They did a great job. And again, they're working with, you know, 30 years of hindsight. So they've got a lot to work with, but what an incredible job they did with that scene. Mm-hmm. Well, what you lack in cash, you make up for with hindsight. There you go. Absolutely. But I wanted to kind of sneak that little, little music chat in there first. Uh, as far as my thoughts on the overall TV special, I still, at my current age, almost probably 20 plus years after I originally watched this special, it's fantastic. I have very minor complaints, the music probably being one of the biggest ones. And outside of that, though, the action's great. The the writing is fantastic. There's actual consequences because there's no Dragon Balls. The the bad guys feel, I mean, they feel scary. Like it, they the attitudes for seventeen and eighteen and the special are great. the The team fighting between seventeen and eighteen looks fantastic. I I could gush all day long about this. It's it's really good. It's still probably one of my favorite pieces of work from the original run of Dragon Ball Z. What did you think, Dayton? Um, I mean, you, you more or less said what I was going to say. The The music is more or less the biggest downside to that. And I, I think if the music is the thing you're going to critique, then you got yourself a pretty damn fine show right there. It's I mean, the the biggest thing that I walked away with thinking is that, man, like, I mean, the whole atmosphere is different and it's great. I love that there's actual consequences to the show, all that stuff. But the biggest thing I walked away thinking was, I can't believe how good those fight scenes were. Me too. Like the the animation quality is obviously not, you know, 2020 or sure. 2016. But at the same time, the amount of effort they put into each scene, each punch, every exchange between the characters, it's Man, it's way more than I could ever hope for. I think it's, if anything, it's aged even better in my eyes because now I can look at what what's coming out more recently and actually hold it to a standard and say, yeah, you know, you guys did this back in 93. You can do better now. You can animate better scenes. Like, I'd <sighs> much rather... This 45-minute special is way better than most, you know, hour-plus-long movies that I've seen. It's very, very good. It's it's funny because we're watching this after having rewatched probably more than half of Dragon Ball Super. And the fights in this special that originally came out in 1993, they look better than most of the stuff in the first half of Super. <laughs> and I mean, it just to me, it just means it, it, it really showcases how less is more. They could have easily yeah. milked this into an hour and a half and made it a full, you know, cinema release and all that other stuff and try to try to get as much money as they could out of it. But they said, no, we're going to do a 45 minute little trunks 
backstory and there's no there's absolutely zero filler in this there's no wasted time every moment of no. screen time is something even if not super important it's something that's relevant happening there's no downtime to this every bit of dialogue is either showing how a character acts or progressing trunks story or or to attack it doesn't matter it's great <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all of it. All all of the writing, all of it feels very well tied together. All of it feels I mean there are definitely moments and nods to the main show. Like it's it's fantastic. I I was blown away. I I really wasn't sure what to expect after having not seen it in so I long. I was expecting it to be awful and just my 10-year-old <laughs> mind to th- just think that it was great and then just uh I was a little worried kind of going into this thinking man i hope this doesn't ruin my memory of this this movie but no if anything it just it reinforced it this i'm so happy to come out the other side of this thinking man i i would watch this again tomorrow yeah i and i felt the same way i was just a little bit apprehensive going back to watch it i was like oh i hope it doesn't suck but man was i wrong i i'm blown away by the quality of this this special i i really am like in awe because it's just a little, you know, side story TV special. Like I can't believe the level of detail and the effort that they put into this. And I'd love to see more of that in some of our more modern Dragon Ball releases. I mean, some of the movies they've released have been fantastic, but. And I mean, some... like I, I could critique it a little bit more, but almost all of my critiques would be that this is from 1993 and just, it's not even worth mentioning. Like, sure. It doesn't look as, you know, Dragon Ball Super's, Goku versus Jiren battle. Of course it doesn't. But sure. at the same time, I think the choreography is better. But hey, you know, that's my spicy take. <laughs> choreography might be better. I think that scene in Dragon Ball Super might have some more dynamic shots. But but yeah, man, the choreography in this one's real good. I'm super impressed. I'm really happy with it. This this was an absolute pleasure to, to, to go back and rewatch and make sure that what I remembered about it still hold, holds true today. So I'm I'm really happy. I think this was a... I mean, if you haven't seen the history of Trunks and you care at all about Dragon Ball, do it now because it's you won't regret it. And as long as you don't mind watching something from the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, anybody who's watched Dragon Ball Z, this is, in my opinion, top quality Dragon Ball Z. It visually looks... I would say as good as anything that's been released as far as Dragon Ball Z in the 90s. It's so funny because I don't I really feel like this wasn't supposed to be as big of a hit with people as it turned out to be. Like, I feel like this was supposed to be just, yeah, throw some more Dragon Ball content on the screen. We'll see what happens with it there. Did you find was there a um, a theater release for this or a cinema release or was it just a. Just a series that appeared on, I guess, normal television networks. I didn't see anything as far as a theater release. I do know later after the fact that some movies like I know the older original Broly movie has been uh, played in theaters. So there was. Uh, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> but, so this may have at one point uh, at like long after its original release been released in theaters, but I don't think it was originally. I obviously like you and I both know it was released out on VHS and then it got released on DVD and Blu-ray at other times, I think too. But I don't think theaters 
I mean, I'm just, I'm really happy with it. And it also took, I mean, when Trunks was kind of introduced in the the normal show, it was kind of a questionable decision, but just this movie just clarifies all of that, makes it all okay, cool. Yep, have future guy here. I don't care. I mean, yeah. And <laughs> watching this again, and Trunks is Trunks is easily one of my favorite characters, partly because of his story. And rewatching this again just reinforces my love for his story, reinforces my love for Trunks. And also kind of makes me more upset about how they ended Trunks' story. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up. You brought it up. I didn't want to bring it up. (laughs) But but this is good quality Trunks content, if we can just erase that one episode from our memories. Ignore all the negativity. (laughs) Just enjoy. Just embrace this TV special because it is fantastic. Yeah, it is really great. I... I mean, again, we could probably sit here and gush about this for the next hour or two, but uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say about the special here before we wrap up, Dayton? Uh, I think I've gushed enough. I probably should have been critical, but I couldn't be. It was too good. Yeah, yeah, I I really didn't have much bad to say about it. I think I had those maybe one or two minor complaints. I only critiqued because I had to. Yeah, I I think the worst thing I could say about it was the music, but mm-hmm. everything else was great. <laughs> it's aged well. It's aged damn well. Yeah, very impressed. So I'm glad that we went back and watched it. It was Dayton's idea to kind of cover this after covering the future Trunks arc in Super. And man, perfect idea. I'm I'm really glad that we did. So yeah, let's watch it again in Gush next week, too. Yeah, yeah. We're actually going to, as soon as we stop recording, we're just going to play it and watch it together. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Let's do a live stream. <laughs> Maybe my mom I will th- show up to it. Otherwise, we, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. uh, you might just want to come over and we can save all the uh, the hassle. This is going to be our History of Trunks date night, guys, just so everybody knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't tell my wife. <laughs> seriously she doesn't listen to this so you don't have to worry about that there we go we're safe <laughs> <laughs> but we're kind of rambling at this point guys so i think we're going to wrap it up so that'll that'll t- that'll be it for this episode of instant transmission where we discuss everything dragon ball this has been your host todd and dayton thanks everyone for joining us on this journey through time with our beloved future trunks Be sure to join us on the next episode as we move into the largest story arc in Dragon Ball Super. Oh, it's so big. The universe survival arc. So let's see how much trouble Goku can create for Universe 7 uh, next time. To our, our fellow Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon. But my tum-tum! <laughs>